to this situation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, and I'm just coming back from being a work of art. For the past month, I was part of a work by Tino Segal called This Situation. It's a performance piece, I guess, but it's even though I've performed even though I performed in it about 20 times over the last few months, it's really hard to wrap my head around what it actually was. So, let me just explain. Imagine that you are a visitor to Golpiusbau or you were from August 13th to September 13th when this piece was shown. You walk around the museum and there are lots of different interesting art pieces. The piece in the room right before ours was a living spider web up in the corner of the room. You walk past the spider web and into a new room, at which point six people turn to you and say, Welcome to this situation. They move to new positions, stop, and then one of them says a quote. Perhaps. In 1993, somebody said, we cannot conceive of solutions to global warming without a change of mentality, without promoting a new art of living in society. The only acceptable finality of human activity is the production of a subjectivity that is auto-enriching its relation to the world in a continuous fashion. At this point, they're off to the races. The six people in the room and perhaps even some visitors, start talking about what does it mean, this new subjectivity? How can a subjectivity be auto-enriching? Is global warming really even a problem? That's the situation. It's something like a salon or a dinner party where people who like to talk a lot and are good at talking a lot talk about basically anything under the sun. At its best, I'm told, It's about thinking together, out loud, with six people in a room who've got a range of quotes under their belts from a group of about 20 players, together with whatever visitors are brave enough to stay. So I've thought a lot, four hours at a time, over the period of a month, about climate change. The discussions have gotten heated, they've gotten dark, they've gotten silly. Often, other players tried to change the subject. Visitors came in, reoriented the discussion, and added important perspective. And I've learned quite a few things about myself and about climate change in the past month that I want to share. First, I've been reminded how abnormal I am in my passion for this subject. Even though we did our piece in the middle of an exhibition whose tagline was climate art discourse, I was an outlier in terms of consistently and actively bringing climate change to the discussion. Even in the bubble, which is Berlin, a liberal green city that's obsessed with climate action, has strong Extinction Rebellion and Fridays for Future movements, this is a topic that's hard to bring up. But I think we need to. Obviously, I've got a podcast about climate change. What else am I going to say? 
Now, this is going to seem counterintuitive with my next point, which is that talking doesn't actually do that much. Doing this podcast, I've gotten more into the numbers game of climate change, which is sometimes depressing. My forays into seasonal cooking mean little in the scheme of things, and my presence at protests is hard to translate into carbon savings. I care about taking action, and standing in a room talking about what needs to be done can be exhausting and can feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Here, I'm thinking back to you, Vence, when you tried out that discursive gem, climate change doesn't exist. So there were many times where I was incredibly demotivated, particularly when I got the sense that nobody else felt the need that I did to talk about climate change as a first step and as a necessary step to taking action. But I still feel that having these conversations, it forced people to think more about a subject that some have shoved into the too scary part of their brain. I saw time and time again, people say, oh, well, I don't know more details on this aspect of climate change. Oh, I don't know how much warming is already baked in. Oh, I don't know what actions we need to take, how important it is not to fly, for example, or to, or to eat a plant-based diet. And I've got to say, I am this way with a lot of subjects, like healthcare policy, for example, or some aspects of immigration. But I think we need to normalize climate action by giving people ideas and building identity and identification. And we also need to perhaps make it not okay to ignore the climate crisis and ideally to welcome people who don't know that much to learn more and to teach them more. So that's kind of what my role in the piece became. There were a lot of shifts where I kind of went into teacher mode as other players and visitors started asking genuine questions about climate change. And it um, became obvious, okay, yeah, because I spend most of my day thinking about these subjects, I naturally read a lot more and I just have a lot more information in my brain that I can share. So questions like how much warming is locked in so far? about 1.4 degrees Celsius, I would say. What can we do? Well, we can do a lot of things from changing our individual behaviors to having these conversations with others, to voting and to taking to the streets. What are the relative effects of going vegan versus eating organic? Well, eating a vegan diet is one of the biggest bangs for your buck that you can do individually and I can say for me, since I've gone vegan, just the fact that I am radiates out and makes it more normal for the people around me. So I've had numerous conversations with friends and students and acquaintances who have told me that they eat less meat, that they've gone vegetarian, that they're experimenting with veganism, at least in part because of the example that I set. So individual action is part of the solution. And that's also part of what this kind of abstruse quote that I said before is about, I think, this auto-enriching subjectivity, this way to live in the world that is constantly improving how the world is 
and that is constantly changing to be better. My favorite thing about this situation, though, was playing out thought experiments. Like, what if someone invented a free energy machine? Or what would need to happen at this point to stay within the one and a half degree threshold? Being in this situation was really a blessing and a lot of fun for me. Even in learning things about myself that are challenging, like the fact that Apparently, it's my mission in life to lead collaborative change. But after a month of having heavy discussions multiple times a week on serious and silly subjects, I am beat. So in case you've been waiting for this episode for multiple weeks, I'm sorry. I really, after the exhibition closed, found myself in a state of burnout, frankly, that was not helped by the fact that my son immediately got a mild cold that meant he could not go to Kita, which meant I could not sleep in and focus on recharging my batteries. But one thing about being in the situation the last month is it got me thinking quite a bit as well about this podcast and what this podcast means to me and what I want to achieve. I have to say I've been waffling on this podcast for a while now. My personal carbon footprint is only two tons. So there's only so much I can do in terms of reducing my carbon footprint, which was the original focus of this podcast. At the same time, the things that I've learned and done through doing this podcast have really lit a fire under me and built my identity as someone who does something about climate change. And that's been really motivating for me and kind of helped me beyond the podcast and figuring out who is it that I want to be in the world. And I think that starting from a point of personal change and seeing kind of reaching the limits of that, I really wanted to increase my change radius, which means not just focusing on my carbon footprint, but talking to others and working on larger systemic change so that it's easier for more people to get down to two tons because that's really where we all need to be in the next 10 years. So how do I do that? This is something I've been trying to figure out all year. Um, and for some reason, I I don't know if it's my own emotional roller coaster with the coronavirus and everything that's been going on in Niedersachsen and in my home. Um, but I've got the sense that I'm fumbling through the dark. I wanted to focus on degrowth at the beginning of this year, and I haven't really done that. And it's really a shame. And I guess being in this situation made me realize that degrowth is something that I still haven't read enough about, that I haven't talked enough about. And there's a hunger for people who want to change to know, okay, what are the positive changes I can make that make my life better? So I guess what I'm saying is I'm getting back on the ball and I'm going to focus the rest of the year on degrowth. So I'm going to get back to what I promised at the beginning of this year, positive visions of life on the other side of the climate crisis, particularly from the perspective of degrowth. 
I'm finishing an exhausting months long home renovation project. One of the reasons been pretty burned out. So I'm going to start with what degrowth means at home and move out from there. I'm also going to draw more on the great work that I'm doing with Dylan Harris, Daniela Sevestlin, and Olga Wiedemann at Akud Machnoi and the inspiring participants we have in Stories from the Future, the project that we're doing till the end of the year to bring back artifacts that we create from 2030. Maybe I can even convince Dylan to come on and talk with me about what the project means for him. We'll see. Finally, I have a request of you, my listeners. I've been humbled by the steadily increasing number of people listening to this little one-woman show, but as my listenership has grown, somehow your interest in talking to me has shrunk. So my request is please, please, please write to me. I want to hear from you. Even if it's a sentence on how you found this podcast and what you like or don't like about it. But I'd also love to hear your suggestions for future episodes, any changes that you've made from this podcast or any other inspiration you've had, and any tips that you have about degrowing your life. Write to me at lisa at myclimatediet.org. Finally, exhausted as I am from various projects, I've been starting to think about a new podcast that, if all goes well, I'll launch in January. If you care about the climate, but you also love binging on TV shows and movies, this is going to be the podcast for you. Watch this space. This podcast is a labor of love, and you can show me you care by telling me why you listen at Lisa at myclimatediet.org. Thanks to David from Kvents for letting me use his wonderful music. And if you want to stay up to date, follow me on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone. And don't forget to rate My Climate Diet on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for other people to find me and start their own climate diet. Because if everyone went on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world.